Look at this. Oh, hang on. Wait just a minute. I need that. And I need that. And I love this. I should have thought of this a long time ago. I need a coffee table, though. The only way this would be better is if there's like a big carafe of coffee sitting right there. Ah. I like being comfortable. You like being comfortable? I like my air conditioner's not working right now. That's frustrating. I anticipate when I get home, it's going to be 90 degrees this afternoon. It's not going to be very cool at my house. But I'm enjoying this while I got it. I, 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 love com- I love being comfortable. Sometimes I get comfortable. I get comfortable with my wife. I get comfortable with my kids. I get comfortable with Jesus. I get comfortable with the truth of God's word. I get comfortable about the things that really matter sometimes. I just let them get right past me. I get comfortable and I get complacent. I get, I get to the point where I just kind of let, I like to let. Just let to lay back. I can't afford to stay comfortable. You can't afford to stay comfortable. Let me tell you something else. The people around you can't afford for you to stay comfortable. I believe God adds comfort to our lives. There are areas of our lives that need healing. There are times we need rest. There are times where we need to come beside the streams of living water and kind of, but you know what happens if we stay there too long? Life just goes past us. You know what's something I get really comfortable with? I get comfortable about heaven. I get comfortable. I just know, I know it's there some, some, somewhere. And I get so comfortable with the knowledge that it's there that it really doesn't affect my everyday life like it ought to. But you know what today really frustrates me? That I could sit at times with this thing in my hand Be very comfortable drinking my pop or my coffee or my water. The whole time I'm doing that, people are passing out of this life into the next. And there's this reality awaiting them that none of us want to talk about. You see, I get comfortable about hell. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I get comfortable thinking that my life's just going to keep going. I have other chances. It'll be cool. But you know what? That may not be the case. The more I sit in ease and comfort willingly, every moment, every day, neighbors, friends, family, Co-workers are passing out of this life into the next one, and they are not ready for that. There's a guy named C.S. Lewis. We've got to be ready for that. There's a guy named C.S. Lewis. He wrote a, a book called Mere Christianity, and he there's a quote there that I think is priceless. 
We can't afford to be comfortable. We can't afford to stay where we are. We can't afford to, for that. And more importantly than that, the people around us can't afford for us to stay there. C.S. Lewis writes this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the, the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. What is he saying? The thing that really matters is not what's going on right now, what's going to happen when time and eternity collide. Time and eternity could collide for some of us today. At some point in time, time and eternity are going to collide for the entire human race simultaneously because this guy named Jesus, he returned to the planet, everything's going to stop being just everyday stuff at that point. Are you hearing me? And the people who have the most impact right now are those who live with the understanding that that is absolutely the case. Aaron, why would you talk about that? You see, because we have this thing going on called Kingston Family Fun Fest, and it's not about fish. Fry. It's not about inflatables. It's not about paper airplanes. It's not about loud music and a skate exhibition. You know what, really, what it's really about? It is about eternity. And we need some motivation to realize what we're doing and why we're doing it. And the fact of the matter is, there is this thing called eternity that we're all going to cross into. And people coming to Kingsman Fun Fest are going to be heading there too. The little neighbor kid down the street from you, he's going to have to make a decision one day. He's going to have an eternity. Your uncle that's laid up in the hospital right now who maybe, maybe, maybe may not walk out of there, he's going to be facing eternity. And if you want to have an impact, you've got to have a lock. You've got to have a lock on that. Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, that so, have so ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. See, if we lose sight of why we are here, if we lose sight of what's waiting on the other side, we will cease to do what God called us to do. We will cease to be what God called us to be. Because you know what it'll become about? It'll become about my paycheck. It'll become about my big screen TV. It'll become about the pool in the backyard. It'll become about the bass boat. It'll become about those things. And those things aren't bad, but you know what those things do all the times? They so comfort us that we just become ineffective as Christians. Is that true? Some of us have to work like three jobs to pay the bills and all the stuff we got laying around in our house that we want to play with, you know what I mean? And therefore we become ineffective because we're just like we're just stressed out all the time. We've got to keep a lock on eternity. We've got to keep a lock on that. And I know, you know what, I, I told the first service, I know this was not going to be one of those where you guys are going to go, woo, yeah. I, I knew it was going to be like one of those, where, dude, it's kind of heavy stuff. Yeah, it's very heavy. But it's truthful stuff. And it's honest stuff. And it's scriptural stuff. Are you with me? You guys still believe in this, don't you? I mean, we just sang that song, I believe in you. Now you know what I'm about to, no, I'm not on the worship team. Uh, we believe in the power. Your word, da, 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 however it goes, da, da, da. right? But do we? Does this really? Is this really real? Is it truth? See, because if it's real, I take this chair and I go like that with it, and I get rid of it. If this is true, I'm done being comfortable about people crossing into eternity and not sure where they are. I'm done with that. Are you hearing me? It's not good enough. For me to be comfortable and watch people pass away, watch people die. I sat in the hospital just about a month ago with a lady whose husband passed away unexpectedly. He was working on a roof. 
Oh, man, my heart still hurts. I, honestly, I, I don't think I've ever been in such a heart-wrenching situation with somebody who's lost a, I don't know why all of a sudden, but it was, it was the most emotional. I've been in several situations, lot, lots now of those kinds of things, but that moment was so intense. And Jesus doesn't know what to do. And at one moment she goes, you know, I just had a conversation with him two weeks ago. And he'd been having some, a little bit of health problem. I not what's going on. And she said, I looked at him. I said, I want to know that you're ready. She said, he dropped his spoon. It was early one morning. And he said, I love Jesus, was his response. At that moment, I looked at her. You know what? I said, you know what that means? She's just completely an emotional wreck at that moment. She said, what? And I said, that makes this not over. When we know Jesus, eternity is waiting for us on the right side of the line. When we do not know Jesus, there's eternity still waiting for us. But it's not the right side of the line. We have to be motivated as Christians because of eternity. Eternity is really all that matters. Paul told us we should not look at the things which are seen because the things that are seen are temporary. We should look at the things that are unseen because the things that are unseen, he said, they are eternal. Are you hearing me? For each of one of us here, we're going to cross a line one day and we're going to pass from this existence into another one. And when we get there, there will, be a, there will be a line. And I know that's not a popular statement to make these days. I know we'd like to think that every person who lives is going to be in heaven waiting on us. But this place, this thing, right here tells us something other than that. I got this friend that works at a bookstore. And I had planned like two weeks ago to, to preach on a message about eternity, getting us ready for Fun Fest and just to, the outreach opportunity and just keep our focus on what's really important. And she said, you need this book. And I would say each of you need this book. It's called Erasing Hell. And it talked about how we have kind of just deleted it at times, from our preaching, from our teaching, from our thinking, just kind of make ourselves feel, feel better. Francis Chan's the author of it, and he said, the, in, a, in a, little, a little promo video that was on YouTube, he said these words. Somebody sent it to me like three weeks, I don't know, a month ago, five weeks ago, something like that. He said this, we can't afford to get eternity wrong. We can't afford to mess that one up. We can get confused with other kind of little pit points of doctrine and pieces of the puzzle the scripture talk about. But we cannot afford to be wrong about that one. We can't afford to be wrong on that one. We can't afford to get that one messed up. And so we're going to talk about that today. The first thing you need to realize about eternity and about, about this motivation we should, we should live under, walk under, is that there is a marked line. I don't say that. Jesus says that. The guy we call Savior... The guy, the entirety of this book is about from Genesis 1 to Revelation, the end of Revelation. He says that. If he says that, you can take that to the bank. It doesn't matter what some preacher on TV says. 
It doesn't matter what some egghead college professor says. It doesn't matter what some news commentator says or what your best friend says. Or what, when Jesus talks about it, you can take that to the bank. Because he is not just, he doesn't just tell the truth. That guy is the truth. When he speaks it, it's true. Matthew 24, Jesus' buddies come to him. And they say, Jesus, let us know how things are going to all pan out, basically what they say. How is this going to happen? He began to tell them what to look for as the signs of the end times begin to begin to happen. He goes through this whole long list of things. He goes through this whole thing. There'll be earthquakes, and, this, and he goes through a whole long list. And he talks about his own coming, and then he kind of goes into a parable. And the last words of Matthew 24 read like this. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is going through a parable about an unfaithful servant. And he says, when you end up there, if you are still there when the master returns, you've got big, big, big problems. Major, major, major problems. And he makes it pretty clear what's going to happen. There's a line. He'll be put. Whoa. He'll be put in a place. See, in our world, we like to believe, you know, there's like this extreme over here, and that's pretty evident where that's at. And there's this extreme over here, and that's pretty evident where that's at. And, you know, most of us, we should just kind of try and walk down the middle. It's kind of ironic to me. I realized this when I was going to do that. And there's, there's the, the black area, and there's the, the white area. And this is kind of funny in a church. Right smack in the middle of this church is a gray area. That wasn't on purpose, honest, I promise. Just the pink carpet in the middle. It is, it's, it, it is pink. Anyway, got wore out, so we just replaced it, but kind of funny to me because we think that's really that really is that place we think that there's like you know there's obviously some people you know and there's these other and there's you know as long as we're kind of in the we're we're, we're okay it's good and you know yeah. but jesus just makes no bones about it man he says it's one or the other there's like not one to you know i i i i i, I heard a I heard Francis Chan speaking on another thing one time. He said, he said he had a guy come to him. He says, "You're just a fanatic, you know. You know, you know. You want people to live so fanatically for Jesus, you know." And he said, "Why don't you just walk in the on the middle road?" And he looked. He went, "Did you guys know there was a middle road? Because Jesus said there's a broad way." There's a narrow way. There is Jesus didn't say anything about a middle road. I mean, it just it's just not there. Read it. it just, Jesus talks to the disciples. He's getting ready to leave. Mark 16. He says, I want you to go preach the gospel. Now listen to this. You preach the gospel. They that believed, believe shall be saved. They that don't, they shall be condemned. And those who aren't sure, they get to walk in the gray area. No, he didn't say that. There is no gray area. It's, it's this side or it's that side. 
And so Jesus begins in Matthew 24 and starts there, and he spends all of Matthew 25 describing this marked line. There's this parable we get in Matthew 25 where he talks about these ten virgins. Five make it, five don't. He talks about some servants. Two of them make it, one doesn't. And he gets to the end of Matthew 25, starting about verse 31, and he talks about another thing, and he makes these, he makes these statements. Listen to these words here. Listen to these. Matthew 25, 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Sounds like there's a line there, doesn't it? He will place the sheep at his right and the goats at his left. There is a line. You can either be on the right side of the line, you can be on the left side of the line. You're the one who determines that. There's right and there's left. Jesus says to the sheep, goes to the sheep, he goes, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed, my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. We'll talk about that next week. Just a teaser. We're going to talk about verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on his left, that's my left, not your left, my left, and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will say, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. It sounds like Jesus believes there's a line. I'm just saying. Jesus is the guy who started in heaven with the Father at the beginning of creation. If he says there's a line, there's probably a line. And he would know. And he says this. Here's how you tell the people who did it, who were with me and who weren't. There's all kinds of people around us. Some of them are as horrible and as nasty as they've ended up in prison. And Jesus says, they need to be taken care of too. And there's some who are hungry and thirsty. Some who are naked. And see, we look on the, on the outside, but you know, Jesus is not just talking. There are those who are physically in prison. And we should be about helping to them to understand the gospel because eternity is weighing on them. But there's some sitting here right here today who live in prison every day of their life, but they are, not, they are not inside bars. They are trapped inside of a life that's full of destruction and damage and hurt, and they still need the gospel too. And there are some who you work with every day who dressed, are dressed to the hilt, and yet on the inside they are depraved as they can be. And he says, I want you to go to them. I want you to do something about their lostness, about their need. There are some who've got, got, their, got their refrigerator full of stuff and yet are thirst so thirsty they don't know what to do. They're trying to find something. But there are those who are, actually have nothing to drink. We don't get off the hook either way. But the whole purpose is eternity is hanging in the balance. 
Do you hear me? That's why Matthew 25, eternity is hanging in the balance. There is going to be a dividing line. There are sheep and there are goats. Now, it would be easy for us to think that the way you get to heaven is by just by doing stuff. But Jesus even delineates even further because he says in Matthew 7, check this out. Matthew 7, the deciding factor is not the things that we do so much as the person that we know. Matthew 7 reads like this. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually, who actually do the will of my Father. Now listen, to this. now listen to this. He said, actually do the will of my Father. Those who are about doing kingdom business because it's kingdom business. Not the, okay, are you hearing me? Because they've been regenerated from the inside out. Listen to the next words. When those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. That's a haunting piece of scripture. Because we can look the part. We can act the part. We can do all the right stuff. But not be ready to go. Because the real issue is not all the stuff that you do. It's the person that you know. It's the Armstrong Chiga encouraged us last week that we need to find this place of intimacy with the Father. That is the dividing line. We don't do stuff to get to heaven. We do stuff because we're on our way and we want to make sure other people get to go too. That's why. That's why he just makes that line with the sheep and the goats. He says, these people are on their way because they are seeing two of the other people get to go too. And so I want to make this line. The question is, do you know Jesus? See, the, there's, a, there's this parable of the wheat and the tares. There's this parable where Jesus talks about, uh, there's some even among us, sitting here right now, today, around you. I hate to say this, but it, it, it's completely possible and probably absolutely true that right now, sitting here with us, if Jesus would come, they'd not be ready. Ooh. And they might be here every week. That's why it's important. We can't afford to be comfortable about it. We can't afford to act like it because it, 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 it's, it's very true. Listen to, listen to Matthew 13. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where do they come from? Enemies done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull all the weeds, they asked? No, he replied, you uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds Tie them into bundles and burn them, and I will put the wheat in the barn. Here's the thing. It's exactly Matthew 25 all over again. They're all there together. At the end, he pulls them all out. Some of them get to go into a burning situation. Some of them get to find refuge in a barn. And he says, you will not know how it's going to shake out until the end. That's why we've got to be serious about this. It scares me. We've got to know the person of Christ. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only way to the Father. Jesus is the divine. Listen to John 16. He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to these words. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin 
and God's righteousness, which God is, and of the coming judgment. Those are these words. Automatically, when I said the world of its sin, all of you guys thought like Hitler. Some of you did. And you thought of, you know, that guy who, you know, molested some kid or, you know, some drug dealer who's messing up the neighborhood or, and those are all sins. But listen to the, listen to the sin that the Bible says the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That is the deciding factor of who ends up on which side of the line. The left side are the goats. The right side are the sheep. The thing that makes the difference is the person of Christ. Knowing him, walking with him. You can put as much money in this plate as it goes, or that basket that goes by you as you want to. That is not going to buy your way into heaven. You can reach out to as many hurting kids as you want to. That's not going to help you get to heaven. Now, those of us who are on our way to heaven, that should be just normal for us. That should just, that should, that should, that should just rule the day. That should just be the way it is. We, we should be about eternity, and the way we're about eternity is reaching people who are right here right now. But that does not get us there. Only the person of Christ gets us there. And only being sure that the people around us know Christ is what helps us get there. Let me say this also. We're not responsible for results. We're responsible for obedience. Not everybody's going to take us up on this, on, on this plan of salvation. Remember what I said? Broad is the way, right? That leads to destruction. Jesus says, many there be that find that one. He said, but narrow is the gate that leads to life. And you know what his next words are? Few. Few there be that find it. Few. We get frustrated at because we don't, just don't see, you know, God, you know. Listen, sometimes, you know, Jay, Jay talked about seed time and harvest. That's true in the works of the, uh, all the works of the kingdom. Paul writes these words. He says, some plant the seed, some water, but God provides the increase. It's never our job to make sure the harvest comes in. It's our job just to be obedient, plant the seed, plant the water. And when God gives us the opportunity, we'll take it when the harvest comes. That's the same thing true of eternal issues. We, we cannot get weary in doing well, he just read in Galatians 6. If we sow to the Spirit life, we'll of the Spirit reap life. Some of you might be seeing your day go, dude, there's somebody I, I, I loved and, and we prayed for them and, and we don't know where they're at. They, they passed on to eternity. And you know what? That should motivate you anymore. You know why? Because you don't want another sister, another brother, another mom, another dad have to be concerned at whether, where, where, their, where their, 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 their loved one ended up. You should be the answer to somebody else's prayer. If you understand the grief and the frustration that causes, all the more reason to get about the Father's business. It's too urgent not to. Jesus is a young man at the age of 12. His family goes to, to, to Jerusalem for a feast. They're on their way home with a caravan of people from their, 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 their city, their, their family, their huge extended family members. They're walking through, and Mary and Je Joseph are walking, and Mary's like, hey, Joseph, where, where's, where's Jesus? Joseph's like, I, I, thought you, I thought you had Did you have I thought you had him. You guys have been in Walmart like I have. And the kids hiding in the, in, 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 in the rack of clothes. You know what I'm saying? And I make her, you go, where's the kid? Imagine having left on a journey, left the town you were in, and your son is missing by the time you realize it. Like you're already down the road. Home alone all over again. 
And they turn around and run back. You know where they find Jesus? He's 12 years old. He looks at the, they walk in, Mary walks into the temple and goes, what are you doing? You see her, just mom. You know that look. Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus is just about to be a teenager. He's 12. He goes, duh. I'm doing my father's business, mom. I mean, come on. Where, you, where did you think I would be? He was urgent. Even at 12 years old, he realized there's just, I don't have a whole lot of time here. I got to get about doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, he really didn't enter into the fullness of his ministry until he was 30 years old. But even at 12, the urgency of eternity plagued Jesus that he would teach us this to his mom and dad. You know what I'm saying? We got to be that urgent that we're just about it because everybody else thinks about us. We just got to get about it. Because Jesus is the only answer. Listen, what's waiting on the other side of that line? What, what is on, what's beyond that mark line? Listen, the, the reality is there is massive punishment on the other side of that line. If we are not ready when that day comes, when we, if we are in that, that goat clan, bad things are on. Bad things, man. There are bad things waiting on that side. That is. It's honest truth. Jesus, the Son of God, who preached amazing messages, gave us the truth of God's Word, not only through His mouth, but through His actions. He spent more time talking about eternity in the context of hell than He talked about heaven. That is the honest, truthful fact. Take the bulk of the things that are said in Scripture about what Jesus preached about. Jesus talked more about this thing than He did the other thing, which we'll talk about next week. It's important we get that right. Jesus tells a parable about a guy named a rich man and a guy named Lazarus. They are both on opposite ends of the spectrum on, in this life. One's a very wealthy guy, one's a very poor guy. They die on the same night and they swap positions. The guy who had nothing suddenly had everything. And the guy who had everything suddenly had nothing. And Jesus talks about it here. He says, finally, Luke 16, 22, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul was in the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. The book of Isaiah, this is the Old Testament as well, talking about judgment in Isaiah 66, says these words. And they go out. They will see the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. Where's our real rebellion? Not accepting the person of Christ. You got that? For the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. All who pass by will view them with utter horror. You get that? I'm sure to say there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just read one passage there. Matthew 25, 30 talks about that. Throw the useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 24, 51 talks about that. Matthew 8, 10, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. He's talking about the, the centurion who asked for a servant to be healed. He wasn't a part of the covenant, they thought. And he says, I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east to west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus says there's a line. On the other side of the line is ugliness. There is weeping. There is gnashing of teeth. There is a consuming fire. There is anguish and torment. You guys get that? 
Matthew 22, 13, the king said to his aides, bind his hands and his feet, throw them in the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there's one thing for there to be torment. Let's talk about the rest of it. Not only is there, 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 there massive punishment, there is, there's an unmeasured duration of it. Revelation 14, 9. A third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and a statue who accepts his mark on their forehead or on their hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been full, poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. They will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. Revelation 20. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And many of you go, well, that's the devil and like those really, really, you know, those fallen angels. And we've not read the rest of the story yet. Let's keep reading. And I saw a great white throne. Revelation 20, 11. And the one sitting on it, the earth and sky, fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, according, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death, and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Now listen to these next words. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It's for real, man. We'd like for it not to be for real, but it's for real. Aaron, what what gives you so much assurance that that it's for real? Let me ask you a question. I posed this question on Easter, and I'll post it again. If hell is not a real place, why in the world would this loving Father that we claim to have in heaven Put his son through such excruciating pain and suffering as that of that scourging and that hanging on the cross if there were not some for real place he was trying to save people from. Would you answer that question for me? Huh? If there were not some place like that, why would he do that? And if he would, why would I want to, if we're going to go anyway, and he would do that to his own son? Why would I even follow that guy? You know what I mean? If that's not for real, and he would go to that extreme, he's just completely crazy. He is out. He, to, to use the words of, of one Coach Boone from Remember the Titans, he is outside his mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Huh? There, the Scriptures go on to say, listen, the Scriptures go on to say, listen to these words. That the worm dies not. If anyone gives you a, 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 even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will be rewarded. But if you cause one of these little ones to trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. It's better to et- enter eternal life with one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. Unquenchable. You got that? If your foot caused you to sin, cut it off. It's better enter eternal life with one foot than to throw yourself, be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye caused you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than have two eyes burned and thrown into hell where the maggot never dies and the fire never goes out. For anyone, everyone be tested with fire, he says. 
in the place of eternal punishment, Matthew 25, and they will go away into eternal punishment. Eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Daniel 12, 2, Old Testament. Many of those bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Everlasting. Do you get what I'm saying? Dude, that's stinking really heavy. It is very heavy, but it's very much the truth according to the Scripture. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These are not my words again. These are the words of a guy named Jesus, whom we say we follow. If he said it, it's absolutely true. Here's the cool part about all of it, though. There is a marked line. There is massive punishment. There is an unmeasured duration of that punishment. But God doesn't leave us with that, that being our only option. Because there is multiplied mercy. there is multiplied mercy for those who turn to God. Jesus, the whole thing from the beginning is that we are separated from God because of our sin. And Jesus starts his ministry, and listen to these words, Matthew 4. He starts his ministry, and he says these words, Repent and turn to God. You know why? For the kingdom of where is near? The kingdom of heaven is near. We'll get to talk about that next week. Okay? Don't just get lost here in hell. We're going to go on to heaven next week, I promise. We've got to contend with this one first because Jesus talked about it the most. He was trying to pull people out of that. There's multiplied mercy for that. Listen, listen. And God will provide rest for all who are being persecuted and for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. You know when the rest comes? Jesus said, the rest comes when I come back from heaven. Right now, the Bible says we should work while it is yet day. No place to be comfortable. No place to sit back and relax and just breeze into heaven, cruise in our big car and walk right in there. It's time for us to be about the Father's business. The rest comes when Jesus comes. Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels. Now listen to this next line. In flaming fire, bringing judgment on those, listen to these words, who don't know God. And on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. It goes back to John 16. The Holy Spirit convicts us of what sin? Not believing in Christ. Those who don't obey the gospel, which is that God made a way for us not to get to hell. The only way to get there is through him. John 14, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man gets to the Father but through me. If I say there's a hell, there's a hell. If you want to get out of hell, you come through me. We go to heaven together. That's what he said. And the dividing line, the place of mercy, is the person of Christ. There's multiplied mercy in him. The power of that cross we sung about that changes everything. Oh, man. Are you, I, 2 Corinthians 5 goes like this, verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Listen, Kings and Family Fun Fest is coming. What is that about? That's about reconciling people to God. He's handed that ministry to us through the person of Christ. 
What is all the minute? What is the church ministry about? It's about reconciling kids to God. What is the youth ministry about? It's about reconciling kids to God. What is the place where you work about? God's placed you there. You know why? He wants people to be reconciled to God. It ain't about drawing a paycheck. It ain't about the benefits you get on your health insurance. It's not about the vacation you get every year. It is about eternity, and God has placed your footstep to put you right there. What is it about the neighborhood you live in? It's about your neighbor that needs Jesus. You are given the ministry of reconciliation that they might come back to God. That is it. Ooh, I'm losing my voice. Aaron, you're pretty intense. If I can't, if this thing is real, I'm going to tense about this. Every one of you should just get up and casually walk out and find some place to go to church. There's a story about a guy who's condemned to death in England. Heinous, heinous acts. And he's being taken to the execution chamber. And behind him is a priestly figure who's gone through all the rites and praying behind him. And they're walking down through there. He stops and he turns around and looks at that minister and he says, if I believe in a place like hell, like you said you believe in a place like hell, if I really believe that, he said, I would, I would crawl the length and the breadth of the land of England on broken glass to save one person from that. And pretty much ask him, what are you doing? A condemned killer says that to a preacher. Are you hearing me? So if we can't get wound up the fact that this is, this is for real, man. This is for real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Eternity is for real. We've got to be on the right side of that equation, and we've got to be about the ministry and making sure other people are there. And God has given us this task, reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. My prayer is this, on two Sundays from now, from noon to three, the thing people will resonate inside the hearts of people is that there is a God, that he loves him, and he wants them to come back to him and get back on the right path. That might happen that day. That might not. But you know what might happen? A relationship might be fostered that will bring that, that, that about. Or it's just a planting, it's the, it's the watering of a seed that's already been planted there. Are you hearing me? Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are not there because it's just a good place for you to be. You are there because eternity hangs in the balance. You are there because heaven and hell are real. And God's making his appeal through you. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so we can be made right with God through Christ. Verse 1 of, of chapter 6 says this, As God's partners, that's an amazing statement. Do you hear that? As God's partners. He's working right alongside of us. He's helping us be what we ought to be. We beg you not to, not to, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. So what do we do now? Peter poses a question in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, because we know this is all coming down, How then should we live? 
I pose you the same question. Understanding that the Bible says in 2 Peter, the, the, the earth will burn with fervent heat. The, the, the elements will melt away. The concrete that this church is built on will melt away because of God's judgment on a world that refuses to receive his son. What should we do then? How, how should we live? Second Peter 3. Since everything around you is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly life should you live? Good question. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he put the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away with flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. There's the line again. There's the judgment. There's blessing. There's the line. Some people get that. Some people get this. That's it. There is no middle road. There is no gray area. It's Jesus or it's nothing. Are you hearing me? It's Jesus or it's heaven, and it's heaven or it's no Jesus and it's punishment in hell. That's it. I know this is not a popular thing. I know you guys like to hear how God's got a purpose for your life, and he does. I know you'd like to hear about how, you know, you can be blessed coming and going. I know you like to hear all that. I know that. I like, I like those pieces of scripture too, honest, a whole lot. But I'm also commissioned, and we are commissioned, to go and take this gospel to the world. And if we don't have it balanced, if we don't have the whole truth in our arsenal, we are never going to get any place. So what do you do? Listen, here's the thing. If you're sitting here right now and you're not ready to go, you don't know what side of the line you're going to be on. I mean, the sign's over the door, sheep to the right, goes to the left. And you don't know, hey, which one, which tag do I have hanging around my neck? Let me just say this. If you don't know which one's hanging around your neck, you're probably a goat. I'm just saying. And if you're not sure, now is the time to be sure. It's like what you say, today is the day of salvation. How do I do that? Listen. It says, the Bible says this. We're created for, for, for relationship with God. Sin separates us from God. Jesus brings us back to God because of his sinless life and his perfect sacrifice. We can't remove the sin ourselves. Jesus only... I told somebody, I told them in the first service, our lives are like this. It's like a cake that's been baked with rotten eggs. Once the eggs are in there, you can't take them out. Once I bake the cake, the cake is made, brother. I'll eat around the rotten eggs. I'll go ahead and give that a shot. Sure. The cool thing about Jesus is this. He remakes the cake. We get to be born again. And all that stuff gets taken out of, the, out of the equation, out of the mix, out of the ingredients, and he makes us ready to be edible in the kingdom of God. Woo! So you come to Christ. Our sin is covered by him, and he gives us access to eternal life. And it's this simple. It's this simple. I believe in my heart that this thing is real. Romans 10 says, I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And I make confession with this thing right here. The very next lines are priceless. You shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the left side of the line. Saved from eternal damnation. Saved. God's all inclusive. you catch that? He, he, he said, many Gentiles are going to come in. Many Israelites aren't going to be in. Jesus is like, anybody who wants to can. There's only one, way to, only, way, only one way to get in, though. It's open to everybody. Everybody can get in on this. 
But only those who believe in their heart can believe in their mouth. Let me ask the rest of you something. How comfortable are you? Do you live every day with eternity staring you in the face? Do you see those people at work that aggravate you so badly as people who don't have bad attitudes? People have got a bad eternity waiting for them. Do you see your neighbor as that person who just is frustrating? Or do you see a lost person who, if they pass out of life, do you, do you get what I'm getting at? Do you living every day as if your co-workers need you to be in their life because that's the only Jesus they're ever going to see and the only way they have a chance to make the right decision and get, all, get on the right side of the line? That's what I'm asking. Do you live like that? Are you caught up with your, your recliner and your easy chair? Are you caught up with your remote and your bottle of water, your coffee or whatever? So caught up with those things that the eternity is just kind of an afterthought after you go to bed at night or whatever. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, simple as this, Jesus, I believe in you. And you believe that here with every fire of your being and you say that here. Anybody like that in here? says, dude, I just want to be ready. <laughs> Let me be honest. We may not get a mile down 180 today. Jude says, save some out of the fire by fear. Let me, let me put it to you this way. There's all kinds of crazy acts I've had on 180 all the time. How do you know today's not the day you're in one? <laughs> That's just the honest truth. I may not get home today. That's the honest truth. I may receive my wife, my kids ever again. I may not. That's honest. Not ready. Anybody here say, I'm just not ready. I don't think I'm ready. I'm not sure which tag is laying around my neck. You won't be ready. Raise your hand right where you sit. Dude, Aaron, you're not making close your eyes. Too important. If you mean business and you realize how the gravity of it, you won't care who's paying attention. You just won't get to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? Anybody? Dude, I had a dude at the second. I had a guy sitting right here where Cody's sitting for service. And I said, I said, hey, anybody want to be ready to go? I see this hand. I couldn't tell if he was stretching or what he was doing. I said, are you stretching? He said, no, I'm raising my hand. I said, well, come on up here. (laughs) Just like I promised, it happened just like that. That's what it's about. You got me? If there's nobody here who's, if you're all sure, then here's the thing. It's just, how many of you say, dude, I'm just not living like that? I mean, I'm not living as that partner with God for eternity. I'm not living like that ambassador of the message of reconciliation. I'm getting cut up with life. I'm cut up with temporary stuff. I got my eyes on all kinds of other things. I just need to ramp it up a notch because I'm just not not living in eternity like I need to. This is for Christians. You all stand. Huh. Because eternity is really all that matters. You got me? None of this other stuff matter. It's time for us to be about the Father's business. No matter how long we've been in the kingdom, if we've been saved three weeks, three days, three years, 33 decades, it's time for us to be about the Father's business. Right now where you sit, I want you to make a commitment to your Father. 
Jesus, I'm living every day like eternity is all that matters. I'm cha- I'm turning the page today. I don't care about my paycheck anymore. I don't care about how, I'm, how my, what my friends think about me. I don't care about the car I drive. I don't care about the job I have. I don't care about none of that stuff. I am done dealing with that stuff. Eternity, if eternity is all that matters, let's get about the business. Father, you see these lives. You guys make it real right now. I can't make a commitment for, to Christ for you. Only you can do that. But I will pray for you. Jesus, you see these lives that have raised their hands, who've stood up, God. And I ask God for such an intensity about the eternal issues of the kingdom that, God, they would never look back. They would stop, Lord Jesus, be, being temporal Christians, and they would say, you know what? I'm going to be an eternal Christian. I'm going to follow Jesus to the end of the road. God, give them the eyes to see their neighbors, their friends, their family, their sons, their daughters, their, their nieces and nephews, their grandkids. God, that person at work that just drives them crazy as people who need to be on the right side of the line. God, I pray they make decisions about every arena of their life on those kinds of things. God, let, let, let eternity be real to us. Let hell be real to us, God. Let us not, God, man, be pamby it. Let us live in the light of it, God. Let us walk in the power of the, of, of the truth of the scripture, God, and the power of your spirit. God, make us ambassadors. God, reach every life. Change the environment in every home. God, let not one father, grand grandfather, one grandmother, one mom miss a chance, God, to sit across the table from a grandchild and not talk about eternal issues. Let them not miss a chance, Jesus, to, to, to take time at a lunch table and make sure the gospel is completely clear. God, let them not mess around with their life and just be caught up with just unnecessary stuff. God, this is really all that matters. And God, I pray, Jesus, there will be the power of your spirit right alongside of them confirming what you are saying through them with the power of God and the salvation of the lost, Lord. God, do your work. If you're serious about that, here's what you need to do. You have a a conversation on purpose. You write a letter on purpose. You grab a track on purpose. We're going to have flyers and stuff out at the counter next next week. Invite somebody to Fun Fest on purpose. And I honestly don't care whether they come from Bainbridge or Pike County or anything like that. I don't care if they come from Timbuktu. If you know somebody who just needs some encounter with some godly people and the gospel of Jesus, just do your part. That's all I'm asking. Some of you have been, been knowing God's been knocking on your heart to have a conversation with somebody that just you just need to have it. Because eternity is real. Hell is real. Our motivation for everything we do as followers of Christ has to be eternity. Nothing else matters. Nothing matters except eternity. Everything else changes. You got me? Jesus, let your church be your church. Lord, we talked about, we sung about not just doing church, walking out and forgetting where our Bible is and all that stuff, God, in that one song. God, in this moment, let us walk through those doors. Let us go be the church of Jesus Christ and let us walk with the eternity in our hearts, eternity in our mouths, and eternity in our actions. And I thank you, God, for doing that. It's in your amazing and awesome name, Lord God, that we pray. Everybody say, Listen, go be the church.
take advantage of the opportunity to eat some food and buy some t-shirts because that's eternal too because it's about kids camp. You hear me? You need prayer, we'll hang around and pray. But listen, live in the, in, in, in the realm of eternity all the time. Go be that. Amen.